All right, people, the intro and the content for this episode is a little bit different, so stay tuned. I'm still Chris Hall. This is still the Downtime Podcast, and we're definitely going to be delving deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. But first off, I want to tell you about something brand new. Over the last few months, I've been working away with an awesome group of people on a very special project to bring something new to the mountain bike world. We're starting to get pretty close to being ready to launch it, and we'd love you to be involved. If, like me, you love all the details and just can't get enough of this awesome sport, then this really is for you. It's going to be called Downtime EP, and I can tell you that it's not going to be another podcast. In fact, it's not even going to be made of zeros and ones. I can't tell you much more than that right now, but if you want to be amongst the first people on the planet to find out more, then you can head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP now, pop in your name and your email address, and we'll be in touch really soon to tell you more about it. I will say that me and everyone involved is really excited about this and we cannot wait to get Downtime EP out into the open for you all. So head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP now and leave your name and address. That's downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP. There's also a link from the menu at the top of my website. As always, please make sure you're following the podcast on whatever platform it is that you listen. There's going to be a button there that says follow or subscribe. So hit that now. It's free and it means you'll get every episode as soon as it's available. If you can't find the button, then you can head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe, where there's links to all the major platforms to help you. It would also be awesome if you can give me a follow on Instagram and Facebook, where I'm at Downtime Podcast. It's the best place to keep up to date. And if you've got something to say, then let me know there in the messages or on the chat. It's always lovely to hear from you. All right, so this week, we've already brought you a chat with the world champion and the current series leader, Camille Balanche. But on top of that, we're also trying something new and a little bit different. I don't know about you, but I get pretty excited on a World Cup week, so I thought I'd try and share that excitement with you in a pre-race show to get you primed for a week of World Cup action. I'm joined by Coach to the Stars and Morzine resident Chris Kilmurray to talk all things Leger World Cup. We'll find out all about the brand new track and its specific demands on both the rider and the bike, how do riders approach learning a new track, and what does Chris think will be the key to success, and who's well positioned to deliver. This is a totally new format. We're open to ideas. So please hop on the comments, send me some messages, drop me an email. Let me know what you think. We're really open to this. We want to keep improving it. So if you like it, let us know. If you don't, let us know what you want us to change. Definitely get in touch. All right. Without further ado, here's Chris Kilmurray. Chris Kilmurray, welcome back to the Downtime Podcast. It's been a little while, but... uh, been on a few times in the past how's how's life with you life is pretty fantastic really i can't complain too much it's been a it's been a wet start to the summer uh, by and large in the middle of europe here but it's uh it's been a good start to the summer yeah lots of lots of bike riding all the races have kind of rolled out and kicked off without a whole pile of glitches or hitches due to covid so it feels like a, a real race season unlike last year yeah, definitely. It's a much better start to the season. And yeah, before we talk about this week's racing, just give us your thoughts on round one in Leergang. It turned out to be uh, pretty exciting. Yeah, maybe one of the, like, in terms of the televised product, like when I watched it back on Red Bull TV, it's probably maybe one of the best ever, I think. It's crazy. Yeah, it was like, and it, it, was, it, was, it was amazing to be involved in it from like, you know, the staff, from the coaching perspective with the riders and everything else. But then when I watched it back, I was like, wow, that was actually really good, a really good show. And it was like, it was a race of two halves. That was kind of the analysis, the debrief we did. It was a race of two tracks almost. So you had, you know, up to the end of the motorway, that wall ride, you had track one, and then you dropped into the woods and you had track two, which basically decided the race. So from that perspective, it was, it was an interesting challenge from a coaching perspective and from a racer's perspective. 
Um, but yeah, the the actual the racing at the end, how close and how interesting all the categories were, and how demanding the track was physically and technically and tactically, and yeah, it was just an amazing event, really. Yeah, sets us up for a good season, I think. Like shows that there's a, a huge amount of depth in both fields. Well, in all four fields, I always often forget the juniors, but yeah, there's a lot, of, lot of talent, a lot of depth everywhere, really. Yeah, for sure, a lot, lot of first year juniors um, in in both junior categories, um, and there's you know some of the second year juniors that you know they they had their year first year last year, which was a little bit kind of truncated with COVID, so they're kind of almost all first year juniors. It's really interesting, like, and you can kind of see it, just a slight lack of of finesse and experience and race IQ or race intelligence from a few of them. And yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Um, and then the the elite field is, is kind of wide open in both categories, really. It's, it's amazing to see. Huh? Yeah, definitely. Did you see anyone doing anything kind of new or interesting from a process perspective? I've noticed a lot of people playing with uh, reflex training systems. Uh, that seems to be a thing that, I hadn't seen much of before on Instagram, but this year is definitely more of that. And um, when I chatted to Greg Williamson, he was talking about the Commonsell Muckoff team focusing a lot on how they make the riders' life easy, like making sure their kits on the van ready so they don't have to travel with it, all that sort of stuff. Did you pick up on much in your strolls around the pits? Is there much new going on? Uh, yeah, we always joke about the, the the espionage we see, you know, like that. <laughs> The, the spying and every, everyone's everyone's super friendly because you race the clock but at the same time everyone wants to kill each other because uh, you're kind of racing each other so yeah there's there's a really interesting world cup mountain bike is really interesting unlike motocross or bmx where everyone genuinely dislikes each other it seems um, and there's a lot of beef um a lot of drama that that doesn't exist at world cup so there's a lot of information and ideas shared and there's a lot of the the kind of the complaining and the bitching behind the scenes that that people share with each other um, so there's not a lot of, sometimes there's not a lot of secrets and then there's certain details that people try and keep their secrets, whether it's, you know, trackside analysis or to, uh, data acquisition stuff on bikes and that sort of thing. But I think what I, what I saw around one is that everyone is pushing extremely hard in all directions to try and improve riders' performances, you know, and, and that's, that starts kind of from the ground up with the team environment and the team processes and systems, um, and that carries on right through the week, you know, daily analysis and feedback with coaches and mechanics and riders and data acquisition and video analysis and warm-ups, cool-downs, nutrition. Uh, everyone's, every, all of the bigger teams seem to have, you know, physiotherapists or some sort of soigneur, soigneuse. So everyone's just pushing the limits of professionalism. And it's, it's one thing I've always said is that, you know, we, we don't have the money of Formula One or MotoGP, but we're a better sport in terms of how we treat people, I think. Okay. At least looking from the outside in, like I'd, I'd love to get a better insight into F1 or MotoGP. And obviously some teams do a fantastic job, but sometimes it seems quite quite robotic or because the machine, at least in F1, because the machine is so important that the machine gets gets a lot more care, which rightly so, because if, you, if your car is bad, you're out the back. Um, but for us, I think because the bikes can be ridden, because the rider is five times the bike weight, five times the mass in a bike, then actually the rider is the most important thing, you know, physically and emotionally. And you you have such a, the rider has such an input over what the bike does and doesn't do that the rider comes first. So that's everyone's pushing to make the rider's lives as comfortable and as effective as possible, it looks like. Yeah. And I I guess a lot more structure around the the event, the week and the rider than 
maybe before like this you know data logging video analysis all this sort of stuff it's been coming in but it feels like there's a lot of things to get a handle on through a world cup week now compared to maybe five ten years ago where it was yeah. maybe a little bit more straightforward sure i i can't remember when the when the practice and race schedule changed off the top of my head it might have been 2016 um, but now you know it's, it's relatively condensed you do your thursday practice and before you know it you have to qualify you know you, most riders will get seven runs five on day one and two on day two and then they'll qualify you know some might get six some might get nine but you know i'd say seven runs is a good average everyone does get seven runs under their belt and you have to have the track figured out regardless of how it's changed or evolved what the weather conditions are um so it's yeah and most teams have you know three riders maybe five maybe six commence i'll have 29 <laughs> um spread among 2019 um so i think yeah, in, in terms of planning an organization trying to trying to get everything done to a high quality without overwhelming the riders and still allowing people time to vegetate because i think the attention and the focus is so intense when you're on track that you need that vegetation time you need to just sit back and just do nothing so you have to balance all of those demands get the analysis done get the prep and the planning and the process in place for the next day allow the vegetation manage bodies manage nutrition so yeah it's it's rapid, huh? It's rapid. Hectic. Yeah. Yeah. Hectic let's, for sure. yeah. let's talk a little bit about Leisure. I mean, it, it's a classic venue that was uh, a regular on the circuit many years ago. Um, had a had a fair break, but came back in uh, in 2019 using a, a slightly reworked version of the classic track that I guess most of the riders would know and love. Um, but this year, there's been a few little changes, hasn't there? Tell us a bit more. More, more than a few changes. Yeah. Um, so the, the track they used for the 2019 World Cup was the track they'd used for the three previous editions of Crankworks, uh-huh. 16, 17, 18, which used portions of the 2004 World Champs track. So let's say kind of towards the the east side of the of Montcherie, the hill it's on. Um, the, the track we're using this year, starting from, from Thursday, um, is more so on the west side of the hill, and it's a lot closer to what was used in, say, 97, 98 maybe 99 as well. So okay. it actually uses two or three of the berms that riders will know from the old Leger 2 track, which was kind of used. That was originally, you know, dug in, penciled in um, for the World Cup in maybe 96 for the first time, maybe 97. Mm-hmm. So quite a few people listening to this podcast will have children who were born in 96 or maybe were <laughs> born in 96 themselves. It's crazy to think about it. So it's it's one thing I always love about now that the sport's getting older is that it's, it's like alpine skiing. Um, in that now we have classic venues and Leger have done a fantastic job in that you know we're taking a classic venue with classic terrain on a classic hill and they're giving us pretty much a brand new track so they've kind of ticked all the boxes and it's probably world cup wise is what we should be is what the uci should be pushing for and it's what the team should be pushing for is going back to classic venues with maybe two to four options for tracks so yeah. it doesn't get stale. you know that's kind of what what we should be pushing for so Leger have done a fantastic job yeah, and you've had the chance to uh, to have a little look at the track. You know the guys that have been building up there, right? Yeah, I know. I know the two the two main guys who've who've been working away for weeks and weeks now on end, just grinding, slaving away. Credit to them. And both of them are real good bike riders themselves and have a lot of experience. Um, either digging tracks, digging trails for the Jay Bike Park, or working at World Cups as mechanics or whatever else. So yeah, they've got a kind of a wealth of experience that it looks like. Um, is going to really benefit us maybe one of the best tracks we've ever seen awesome yeah take us through it then because uh again it starts out in the open on i guess sort of what would be a piece in the winter 
But um, yeah, take us take us down the track from from your perspective. Yeah, so it starts. They've built like a purpose-built start ramp, so you're going to get a bit of a, a rampage-esque vibe. It's just like a wooden start ramp, just plonked into the corner of a the grassy kind of peak of the hill. Uh, so quite exposed at the top. So if the weather is to roll in, you may or may not even see the start line on TV if the fog was to roll in. So a little bit exposed. So there's some risk there, but it's yeah, it starts about 200 meters um, to the side of the the restaurant where the previous World Cup started. And from there, you just roll out of a pretty steep staircase into uh, a loosely built berm, let's say. So very much a, a racer's berm, not a groomed bike park berm, uh, into a pretty tech step down. So you got a real steep little landing. And from there, you've got um, a step up just built into the side of the what's the ski piece during winter. And then it's a big, long, flat-ish off camber run to, to the forest to the first kind of forested section. So that's just going to get, I think it's going to be, you know, wet for the, the day or two before practice starts, it looks like. So that's just going to get some huge ruts and the terrain is just going to get exposed and it's just going to be, well, what downhill should be, just kind of downhill motocross, you know. Yeah. It's and then be from, from there into the woods, uh, real tech, awkward off-camber section, bringing you to the road gap they used for the P2V track, which is the P2V Invitational last year which is going to be quite tech. I think a lot of riders found it, even some of the best men found it quite technical last year. Um, and then you actually pick up two berms from the 97 track. Nice. So straight away, you're kind of into very challenging terrain and it's going into the woods quite a bit quicker than the previous year's track. Cause there's quite a lot of that fast piece of stuff. There's the, you know, the famous shots of Amory tearing around corners at 60 odd mile an hour on the piece so we're, we're not going to get so much of that this year we're straight straight away into woods pretty quick yeah the, the speeds won't be as high because it's it, it doesn't go down the fall line like the previous track so that that famous uh shot of amory getting loose um where he's probably at yeah it's 80 kilometers an hour um we'll probably only hit 50k 50 kilometers an hour on this one okay. because of just how it goes across the hill and um, depending on what direction the wind goes and yeah, you, you're into the forest. So basically, once you land this, this road gap I was talking about, you do a couple of corners and uh, you just go straight into brand new 20 meters wide uh, wood section, just the deepest loam ever. So that's just going to evolve. There's going to be maybe three to four line options originally, which will eventually get whittled down to two probably. And yeah, you're straight into the woods from there. So previous track was minute and a half before we got to the forest, minute and 15 maybe it was. And this one, it'll be 40 seconds, 45. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we, we don't know where the splits are yet. You know, when we when we return to tracks that we've previously been to, Red Bull TV, the UCI and the timing company put the splits in the same place. So for us on the, on the coaching side, it's really easy to go back to the previous results, look at the sectors, check the split times and kind of work out strengths and weaknesses, previous performances, previous failures or glories and, and come up with a bit of a strategy. Whereas here, we don't even know where the splits are going to be. So we can't even, so there's an extra element of, of work for day one practice. Excellent. And is is the vast majority of the track from there down within the forest? Is there much more kind of open? There's a sec, like yeah. almost a mini motorway at the bottom. But So you're looking at maybe the next, the vast majority, so the, the next 80% of the track is in the forest. It's under, under tree cover. Uh, basically, you just do fresh, loamy, off camber. It's been taped pretty direct down the hill, so it's going to be fast, but everything that's direct is actually a lot more off camber than pictures or video will do justice. And under underfoot or under tire, let's say, there's heaps of roots and terrain, and it's just it's going to be as it evolves and as the as the riders just chew it up, it's just going to become so demanding. 
demanding technically more so than physically because it's, it's still going to be quite soft and forgiving. So we're not going to get a Valdesoli style massive impacts where arms and bikes and bodies are getting beaten up. We're just going to get more so of a, a technical challenge. So if you get offline or break too hard or break too late and get a little slip and get pushed low, it's just going to ruin, ruin a, a single section, which will ruin a whole sector pretty quick, I think. Interesting. So has it been ridden very much then? Because the the footage that I've seen, it looks like fairly, not untouched, but there's a lot of sections that look pretty raw. Yeah, I think maybe 30% of it, give or take, was used for the P2V Invitational last year. So there's a couple of spots where there's a clear rut or a bench from, from the previous event that, you know, the rider's eyes will just kind of pick up instantly first practice and they'll just hit that. And that'll be like the go-to line for the first couple of hours. But otherwise, you're looking at, yeah, 70% of the track is brand new. And even, for example, like you said, this last motorway sprint to the finish line, which is actually part of the famous Leger 2 track, that's been redone. It's been graded. There's a river gap as you come across the ski piece. The ski piece is going to be taped quite technically. And then you've got three small, too small, tabletop jumps to the finish line. So, um, there's, yeah, like it's it uses the direction of previous tracks and the P2V Invitational last year, but it's pretty much all brand new. Yeah. Does that the people that rode the P2V Invitational have a little bit of an advantage there, do you think? Because it was a fairly stacked feeling, like Lowe, it was there, Greg was there, it was a good few of the top names at that race. Will it help them? Yeah, Loris, Loris cleaned everyone out, Loris Vergier last year, and Thomas Estac was quite high up there too. So I think those kind of guys who were at that event may have a i don't know if it's an advantage but they'll they'll know how much how much grip is in in the ground from from the get-go they won't have to have a tentative first run to feel it out they'll be able to push push on the pedals load the bike load the tires to change direction to create grip to create traction real easy because they'll know from that point onwards but then you get a little bit further down and it's it's literally brand new brand brand new um, and there's loads of inviting benches down low you know, that have been built in in case it rains. And then obviously the, the faster lines are staying high across the off camber. So there's going to be lots of guys that are just going to commit to the high lines and probably wash out first run. And so it's just going to be, it's, it's a management process from a mental management process from the first run in terms of not letting your head implode or explode, especially if it's wet for first practice and just letting the track evolve while at the same time doing a, a very good job of staying on, not online, but on trajectory. So getting the direction correct. So the exact line might not be the perfect line because the track's going to evolve, but you're going to need to be pointing the right direction more often than not to link all the sections together. That makes okay, sense. Okay, so you're, kind of bit in, you're in generally the right place, heading in the right direction, but accepting of the fact that under wheel, things are going to evolve. And Exactly. Yeah, you've nailed it. There you go. That's exactly what I'm going to say to anyone I coach for <laughs> the day when you can do my job. <laughs> Brilliant, yeah. brilliant. So when it's a new track like that, like how does that change the rider's approach to the week? Like what do you think are the keys to getting up to speed? Because the first the first opportunity for people to see it is track walk, right? Which normally is a kind of relatively chilled exercise. People have been there before. They're looking at the few changes that have been made. It's going to be a different kettle of fish for, uh, for this event, yeah? Yeah, massively. I think, you know, going back to Leo Gang, for example, um, the first – all of the track we knew, you know, like the back of our hands, you know, anyone who was there before, whether staff or riders. Um, so you had to, it was hard to pay attention during track walk because we've seen it all before. And you were looking out for, you know, strange taping changes, <clears throat> dangerous features or or little oddities 
Um, but give or take, you're kind of like, yeah, well, look, I know the lay of the land. This is going to be slippy. This isn't going to be slippy. This is this or this is that. Whereas with this track in Leger, the track walk is going to be so important. It's going to be so important for, for the reason we just spoke about, which is that, you know, from pretty early on on day one practice, you're going to be, you're going to have to go in the right direction. Not to be grabbing a lot of break at the wrong time and sliding and slipping down or getting late for the, for the tighter tape sections. Um, so you're going to want to be, you know, pointing in the right direction almost every run so it starts to evolve and link together in your head well so you learn the track easily and that's going to start with your track walk mm-hmm. so whether you know riders all have different strategies some of them want to visualize some of them take photos some of them just you know log a mental memory some of them don't do a very good job at all so which you can see in group b practice you'll you know if you're up there for group b the first session of the day you'll, you'll see the riders that did a poor track walk because they'll just blast through the tape somewhere or clip a tree or a stump or just make an absolute mess you know <laughs> so, yeah i think track walk's gonna be super important uh, as will second track walk you know a lot of people because it's a new track a lot of people will walk again after first day of practice whereas normally more people would do track walk and then walk it after qualifying yeah so they're doing that to, to go and look at it as the lines are evolving right yeah just be, because of the speeds are so high you're getting at world cup down and loud the speeds you know average average speeds are tipping 40 kilometers an hour for every track um so that means i think your your eyes only actually see or your brain only sees the information it needs to see um so just kind of fleeting little bits of this route that rock this exit that bench this ledge so actually knowing what's under tire sometimes doesn't happen until you've walked it mm-hmm. you know okay. so that's why the second track walk will be super important here you know? yeah do you think this uh having a new track kind of levels the playing field a little bit for maybe some of the younger or less experienced riders? Uh, in a nutshell, no. I think the riders who have more experience have better processes and can and have, well, more experience. So they've, they've dealt with this scenario before. Uh, some of the younger riders or less experienced riders will just be good at dealing with a new track or just the excitement of such a fun, loamy and crazy wild race track that, you know, there'll be only during practice will be next to no pedal strokes during racing will be a few pedal strokes um that will motivate them just to do, to do a, to do a good job just because motivation comes for free um but it's, no i think in a nutshell no it doesn't i don't think it benefits or helps the the less experienced riders um especially because this is going to be a really difficult track yeah what about riders with a more developed infrastructure so that um, i saw from afar obviously but loser last year Loic had people kind of helping him section bits of the track, pushing his bike up for him, lots of videoing and, and team infrastructure around. Does that become even more important when you've got an evolving track, new lines, lots of stuff to learn? Yeah, I think there'll be a couple of key sections um, on this track where just reducing, you know, having staff trackside or having teammates and using GoPros or riding with a teammate and then using your staff or, or whatever system you have in place would be super important. So the, right, the the true privateer that just has themselves and maybe doesn't even have a teammate or a friend to ride with will be at a disadvantage because there will be a couple of sections where there's multiple options and some of them are terrible options, but they're, they're pleasing to the eye. They're inviting, or it's the only option you can see as you come in at 40 kilometers an hour. You know, you'll see a ledge, a ledge or a bench or whatever as you come tanking in and there's a change in light or a change in gradient or a change in soil. And it's kind of just that's the inviting place to go. And actually, it's a terrible option. So having staff in that scenario to say, nah, look, so-and-so is going up here. This was quicker on the clock. This is, you know, based off principle or logic, this is just a better choice. 
and just kind of reducing the the decision making load instantly in a in a section or two can just help a rider piece the whole track together you know and even yeah. if it's something isn't clearly the fastest you know there's a couple of tenths of a second in it if it's just a better option to link an entire sector together so an entire 30 seconds or 40 seconds of track well then it's probably the best option so that's where having staff having a process or a system in place is going to be a big advantage this week yeah and what about a versus b practice is b practice an even bigger disadvantage at an event like this where the track's brand new the conditions are changing a lot and you're kind of you're qualifying or racing a long way away from the time you last rode the track and things are still evolving Yes, it's a massive disadvantage at all times. Uh, hence why there's, there's been big discussion and changes on the schedule this year again. And um, previously for, for the top five women who got put into A practice from, from last year. Um, so in Liugang, uh, UCI made the decision, um, partially because so many top riders didn't have points and didn't race in 2020 because of COVID. Um, so they, they put in some riders that should have been in B into A practice. And as a result, then they mixed A and B. So they gave us an hour 45 with A and B mixed, which a lot of people who just watched the Red Bull TV and followed on, on the websites probably didn't realize. Mm. Um, and it turned out to be carnage in a, in a, in a word. Um, so the, the differential in speed, the differential in processes, the differential in, in just a number of people on track as well, just having 190 people on the same track for an hour and 45 minutes. Some of them knew where they were going. Some of them didn't. Some of them are the best in the world. Some of them definitely aren't. So that mix was, was carnage. Um, so yeah, B, B practice is a, is a big disadvantage <clears throat> for Leger here. We still got a mixed A and B. So B start the session, A and B mixed, and then A finish the session before time training. Um, and it's a shorter mix and hopefully having, seen how things developed in in leo gang i think riders will be a bit more aware of the the difficulties of having the two groups mixed but yeah long story short to answer your question b is a big disadvantage because you'll see the track on um friday morning for qualifying you'll do two laps potentially three probably two it's a bit you have two lifts to get to the top here so that's a challenge second lift is super slow um, you'll see the track as a, a group B rider and then you'll drop in for qualifying. So say, for example, you're a poorly ranked elite male, you'll see the track at 10.45 in the morning, you'll qualify at 4 p.m. or 3.45. Yeah. So Which it's, is- you know, three, three to four hours of the best in the world destroying it. And it's probably going to have dried out. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. And there's a f- quite a few out-of-place riders, I guess, in the men's and women's field. Certainly in the men's, there's there's riders that you would expect to be in A that aren't. Yeah, I think no. I think everyone now is in A. I think based off Leo Gang results, uh, the vast majority they were put in A practice anyway. The likes of okay. Amory, Laurie Greenland, Dean Lucas, all the guys who are you know top ten World Cup guys that didn't have enough points to be in A practice, they kind of got shunted into time training and A, which a little bit of favoritism, but the right decision because you know as you saw, Amory was on the podium. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think after Leo Gang, everyone who should be in A based off you know previous results and, and their abilities as riders will be in it it looks like okay and what yeah. about in the in the women's side the top five cut uh that's gonna be the same as Liu gang i think there's not a whole pile of not a whole pile of change uh the protected riders are riders you'd expect to be protected uh the top 15 women get a small window um pre-qualifying to practice so they, they practice all in b together 
Mm-hmm. And then they get a 15 minute window before the men practice to see the track once again before qualifying, which is something okay. that was put in place last year to make it a bit more fair for the entire women's field. Well, for the, the top 15 women. So that's all in place. So I think give, give or take a few small details uh, for the, the top ranked elite riders, male and female, everything's relatively fair mm-hmm. and relatively back to 2019 kind of systems and standards, you know, so there's not okay. much change yeah. yeah, good to Things hear. Things have even pretty quick, you know, after after Leo again. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you you mentioned a few times the weather, so I think we're forecast a bit of rain uh, in the first couple of days of this week, and then it looks like it's going to be pretty dry through the, you know, sort of practice and into race day, but potential for some for some showers. It's Leger, we're in the mountains, and an evening rainstorm's never far from the cards, is it? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm looking out my window as we speak. I'm in Morzine. I'm five or six kilometers from Leger and it's raining a lot <laughs> and it rained okay. a lot last night so yeah between last night and the end of today there's over 20 millimeters forecast which is a lot that's two centimeters on the ground everywhere so the right. track is going to be saturated um but yeah the, the end of this week looks really good so it looks like we're going to dry out and it looks like it's going to be relatively stable and relatively low temperatures for, for early July, end of June, early July, which means when the temperatures are, you know, between 17 and 20, evening storms aren't really an issue because mm-hmm. it's just not enough heat in here. So it looks like we might get extremely lucky that we're going to have stable, calm conditions. And, and like, like Leo Gang, like I'd say 70 or 80% of the World Cups we go to, we're going to start with wet practice. Riders' heads may implode because of how difficult everything is when it's wet. And then it'll just progressively <clears throat> get better as we roll towards racing. So yeah, that's what it looks like for now. So fingers but crossed. The, but the track will get cut up, I guess. And maybe some of the, the lower lines will develop first if it's a bit damp. Yeah, I think what I was speaking to some of the riders I coach, yeah, the more experienced guys. Um, you know, some of them saw have ridden this track last year or saw bits of it in photographs and video recently. And the real technically demanding off camber rooty sections and that sort of stuff it's kind of things you'd expect when it's wet it's going to be slippy it's going to degrade it's going to get big holes it's going to be massive holes at breaking points and that sort of thing developing which you all expect the only the only thing they were worried about was that you know a lot of the features the jumps at the top and at the bottom in the open especially um are brand new and if it gets extremely wet group group b practice is just going to create some big old ruts and ruts at the beginning of your your transition for any sort of a lip create over the handlebars gnarly sketchy moments so that's that's the only concern for now is that um that sort of thing will develop but like we said at the start of the show uh, the guys who uh, built the track and um, have a real are all friends with um this p2v crew of riders locally in Niger, and they've got a big crew of of volunteers in with shovels for the week to keep the track in pristine condition they said so these guys are mega motivated to make the best World Cup track ever, I think. So even if we do get dangerous ruts, I think it'll be dealt with pretty quick. Excellent. Yeah, that's that's yeah. good to hear about. Let's talk a little bit about the physical demands of both the event and the last sort of month or so. I mean, some riders haven't raced since the last round. They seem to be having a nice time in Morzine and keeping keeping fresh. Some people have been super busy. They've been at Crankworks. Some people have been at Crankworks and then on to EWS and raced two back-to-back rounds of, of that, which is uh, certainly pretty physical. Do you think there's a, a winning strategy there? Like, is it is it good to have some rest? Is it good to get more race time? Does it vary from athlete to athlete? Well, I think confidence wins races. So in the last two weeks since Leo Gang, depending on how your Leo Gang went and depending on how your 
your review and reflection on Leo Gang went. Um, you need you, the, a rider needed to do what they needed to do in the, the previous two weeks to get to Leger with a, a bucket full of confidence and you know good physical capacities to to get the job done. So that's really individual, individual to the individual and to their team structure and everything else. Um, so yeah, like I said, a lot of people raced Innsbruck just because they want. A lot of people who wouldn't have raced Crankworks Innsbruck raced because they just wanted to get time on the clock, time in, in the race environment because they just haven't had enough since 2019. Um, other riders went on to do EWS. A lot of people just came to to Morzine to ride and train. Um, so I wouldn't believe everything you see on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> Morzine, everyone's. I, I've I've been here for two weeks and I've been riding with you know riders I coach and friends and stuff and everything looks like a good time, which it definitely is. But the guys, the guys and girls who came to Morzine or, or wherever um, early to, to train and ride definitely got some, let's say, representative conditions. Mm-hmm. So they'll they'll feel they should feel relatively comfortable on, on the Leger track from from early on, high speeds, um, steep terrain, loose routes, that sort of thing. Uh, the only thing you, that's very challenging to replicate is the uh, is the freshness, the newness. Yeah. So that's that's where the EWS guys, the guys where EWS will have not an advantage, but they, they'll have ridden those tracks in Canada. They were super fresh, so that'll feel quite similar. But in Canada, the tracks went across the hill, so steep tight corner and then across steep tight corner and across so the sustained gradient we have at a world cup is just wasn't what you get at a at an ews and likewise ews was you know two meters wide in spots or less whereas this is 20 meters wide the whole way down so i think there's the experienced riders regardless of what they've done will probably have done what they need to do given themselves enough confidence to do well in leger and i think anyone who's slacked in any department will We'll find out pretty quickly that they're slacked, you know. <laughs> so is, is it is it physically possible for athletes at this level to recover after an EWS like that to be fully ready for leisure? Are they are they so fit that it's no issue for them, or is there a bit of a risk that they'll be coming in tired? Yeah, that's that's up totally up to the individual, and it's it's based off your capacities. So the riders who've trained, you know, very well to exceed the the demands of EWS will recover pretty fast because obviously if you're able to, to meet and exceed the demands of, of your races then recovery is a whole lot quicker and um, having said that then there's <clears throat> the actual recovery process so maybe you did really well in Canizé, um and you went on a big party on Saturday night and then had a vicious hangover on Sunday but during that hangover drove nine hours to get to Leger and all of a sudden sudden your recovery is going to take a few more days than you might actually think and you'll get to Thursday first day of practice feeling feeling okay but you might not be as sharp as you could have been if you did a better job so there's there's the the micro factors or the the the, the recent factors and then there's the, the macro factors the big ones like you know whether you train correctly all winter long and um, so i think if you've done the job correctly you can definitely recover and that very specific high intensity um bike riding where you have to work work the terrain work the ground sprint recover push hard for for many minutes at ews is will probably probably make a race run and a full run on leger feel quite easy for those riders and then the other riders that just came and rode downhill if, if they did the job correctly and did a lot of full runs did some timing or you know worked on specific terrain or, or you know really just push their push their limits the last couple of weeks riding downhill and probably find the physical demands of this track you know acceptable I think yeah. riding this track well enough to race it in practice won't be too physical because it's fresh, so it's not super rough. Um, I think a race run will will definitely peak the systems out. There's a lot of short, there's a couple of short, sharp sprints. Um, 
the last sprint towards the finish line will probably have a chicane to keep the speeds acceptable for the jumps. So that'll mean a bit of extra pedaling. And it's quite quite steep in spots, but there's big changes in gradient. So you get that shift from having more weight on your bars to more weight over the back of the bike or more central on the bike. And those shifts kind of can catch certain people out um, in terms of, you know, oh, I feel, I feel the fatigue in my hands all of a sudden or I feel it in my legs. And then there's these little bike park sections where you have to push with your legs super hard if you want to generate speed in the corners and generate speed in the jumps. So, yeah, it's going to be a physical challenge, um, but not the hardest thing we've ever experienced by any stretch. Okay. What about bike setup then? Is it? Do you think it's a relatively straightforward track to set up for or is it going to be a, a, a challenging one? Yeah, I, having seen it, I've seen the track a couple of times now myself, just just you know from having lived here and from, from riding on that hill, riding other tracks that cross it or whatever else. And I think someone who's, who's got a, you know, a stock or their standard go-to setup, their base setup for the season, I think you could probably run that for the majority of the week and make a couple of small changes and probably have zero difficulties like i said it's, it's not a valda soli it's it doesn't have huge impacts it's not a, a track of two halves like leo gang where you might want a more compliant bike for the woods and a, a stiff bike for the higher up sections that go fast in leo gang you know it's it's got changes in gradient it's got open fast sections it's got majority of it in the woods and it's rooty and rocky but i think bike setup is going to be super easy i think riders that are struggling to get gelled with the track earlier on, like we said, with direction, with trajectory, with dealing with the technicality, may search for solutions in bike setup, but I'm not sure bike setup will be the place to find them. You know, okay. On a, on a global level, on a global level, I think obviously individually there might be someone who's just running nowhere near enough rebound on the front, for example, or the rear, and it's just going to have to open it up and actually realize that the thing tracks insane when you've got way less rebound. Uh, someone might have just made a terrible mistake having ridden more jam for the last two weeks. Uh, <laughs> but um, I think, yeah, by and large, I think, you know, a couple of small setups from a base setting will probably get people to where they need to be pretty quick. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the, the, the riders who probably won't be competing or are certainly going to be challenged to compete this uh this weekend and unfortunately two of the Leo gang men's podium uh had pretty big big offs at the the french race so amory Pierron, i haven't seen much about amory i don't know don't know how he is but hopefully he's okay and on the mend and then thibaut de prella looked like he had a pretty horrible uh crash which involved him almost biting his tongue off and uh and a couple of black eyes do you, do you have you seen Tebow around? Do you know if we're likely to see him racing or? Um, I'm not going to say. Uh, obviously, every, everyone within the within the industry, within the kind of the, the little World Cup circle, you know, rumors spread really, really quick and fast, and it's just not my place to speak on their behalf. That's uh, fair. I don't. I don't think either of them. I know Amory won't be racing. Um, it's a shame because Tebow and Amory both won here in 2019, as far as I remember, and they're both French, and they're both on form as we saw from Leo gang and they're both potentially the two most wild and aggressive riders. So in a track like this, it'd be, it'd be something else to behold. And it's, you know, it's early July in France, two French riders that should be there vying for the victory and they're not going to be here, I think. So yeah, it's, it's pretty sad. Huh? It's pretty yeah, sad. It's, it's not a a sport, it's just, yeah. From a sporting perspective, it's pretty sad. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the nature of the sport. It's, it's kind of cruel in that respect, you know, things come up fast and one tiny mistake and, the edge of traction of a tire and you're out for a week or two weeks or six months you know yeah 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 is everyone else healthy as far as you know i haven't seen much else kicking around but 
yeah, as far as I know, everyone else is healthy. Everyone else made it out of made it out of Lizac at the French Cup alive. It looks like other than the two boys. Um, as far as I know, I've not seen any. I've not heard of any injuries. People riding in here around Morzine. I've not heard of anyone getting injured in Canizé. That should be racing here. So yeah, as far as I know, everyone's healthy and mad for it. Mad keen. Excellent. And and what about the the Leergang performance? How important is that coming into Leger? Does it does it have a big impact? Do you think for riders to carry some confidence or to be or to be bringing doubts even from from how they got on the first round? Yeah, I think yeah for sure. Like you say, for if we take some specific examples to make life a bit easier, you know, like Valley Hull is gonna, I think she's gonna expect to do the work and win because she had a, you know, a, a healthy advantage by the end in, in, uh, in Leo gang. Um, although by, by no means was it, was it enormous? You know, she, she didn't gain any time in the final sector really on, on the fastest rider in that final sector, which was, who was Monica Harasnik, I think. And mm-hmm. um, so I think, you know, someone like Valley is going to be just running on, on confidence, knowing that she's got everything she needs to, to, to win. Benoit Coulange got his first ever World Cup podium, went under the radar. Not a lot of people spoke about it. Um, he just won the French Cup at the weekend in Les Arcs where, where Amory and Thibaut crashed. So he knows this track well. He did well here at the, at the P2V Invitational. So he's a guy who's just going to be rolling on. He's going to do his standard process, I think, and he's going to be a, a big threat for the win. going to surprise a lot of people. And then there's other riders. I don't know, I don't know if it's right to name names, but there's definitely riders who underperformed in Leo Gang. Mm-hmm. And they're going to, They'll, they'll have either, you know, found the answers and be happy to just apply their process th- this week and just do the job well and see where it leaves them, or they're going to be searching for a big performance. And that's that creates an expectation, a personal expectation within the rider's head and potentially within their team. Um, or they, they'll sense or feel pressure or expectation externally that's going to create either a very good performance or a very poor performance. So there's, yeah. there's across the board, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how how Liu Gang performances and just how how the expectations created by either a perceived good or bad performance in Liu Gang is going to affect performance here. It's going to be yeah. really interesting. I think a lot of yeah. people are going to think it as a it's just another race. It's a two week gap. It's an amazing track. It's it's a, almost a clean slate for some people. I think in their heads, it's almost a clean slate. You know, it's two two World Cups with a two week gap, and then we have a huge gap until Maribor the next round. So I think a lot of people are approaching it as two separate races. For now, forget about the overall or any any such thoughts, and just get after a, a sick track in Leger and enjoy it. Yeah, and there's someone whose circumstances are maybe a little more unique, and that's Loris Vergier. So, obviously, on pace at the first round, incredible pace last season. Won the PTV Invitational here, like however long ago that was, nearly a year, I suppose. And yet, didn't get to deliver in Gang, Not really of his own fault, I guess. He had a a rear flat which which took him out of contention is that a bit easier to manage than a poor performance when you know you were there or does the frustration potentially start to build like he's going to be looking for a result yeah yeah he's definitely going to be looking for a result and he's extremely capable um i think he was he's been the fastest man give or take um or one of the fastest let's say since 2019 and he had he had that scaphoid lunar injury in his wrist in 2019 which definitely slowed him down and that went under the radar he never really spoke about that um, but yeah, since, even since 2018, he's been not the man to beat, but the fastest man who no one, who, who didn't beat anyone type thing, you know, crazy. <laughs> um, and from, from knowing Loris and, and seeing his, his riding and his performances, I, I don't think he's going to be feeling a whole pile of pressure. I think he's just going to try and do what he can. And if he, if he does what he can, like we saw in Innsbruck, he's, 
he's a he's a rocket ship you know he's a rocket ship and yeah the, the the mental management required to win a world cup is just as challenging on any week regardless if it's if it's a home race regardless of if it's you're the man to beat regardless if you've not had a result in in 12 months regardless if you've had all the results in 12 months and won everything i think sometimes you know you once qualifying's out of the way and you're you're sitting up there on your own as a rider in the start gate for a race run i think each and every world cup's just as there's just as much opportunity and threat no matter what so i think a lot of the guys once to get through qualifying once to get through practice relatively issue free in terms of bikes and bodies um breaking and just sitting that circuit for race runs i think sometimes i just think it's just that's it just it's all on it's just risk the biscuit and go for it you know i think it's only when we get late season and there's an overall to play for that's when that that external factor comes comes into play yeah. this early in the season for a guy like Lars who knows he can win i don't think personally i don't think he's, he's going to feel an expectation to perform because he hasn't performed on the trek at a world cup he's only had one shot so I think this is just going to be clean slate number two type thing, you know? Yeah, interesting. It's going to be no doubt an exciting week and a very, very exciting race at the weekend. Um, I'm re- Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Can't wait to see how it goes down. So yeah, thanks for coming on, giving us some uh, some wisdom on what's going on in Leger this week. Hope, uh, hope you have a good week. Hope all your riders go well. And um, yeah, look forward to seeing the results this weekend. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I hope I'm not going to stand on the hill for 12 hours in the rain on Thursday, but either, <laughs> either way, it's exciting. It's always good. It's really exciting to see first tires on track, on a fresh track, and see how the best in the world solve the puzzle. That's always something that's real eye-opening for me. It's like it's, it's helped my riding no end, just being able to watch like that over the years, and it's kind of less like, wow, you, you can go that straight, that fast, that soon. So I think, yeah, once once everyone tunes in on Red Bull TV on, on Saturday – um they're in for a show it looks like there's cameras the whole way down the hill so i think tune in and show a bit of support for the scene and it's going to be an amazing race perfect and keep your eyes peeled for vital raw by the sounds of it that's going to be some good footage yeah <laughs> john lawler's gonna have a busy week eh? <laughs> nice one good stuff <laughs> cheers chris All right. thank you all right that's it for this episode with chris i really hope you've enjoyed listening like I said at the beginning, it's a totally new format, so we're really open to feedback. Let us know what you think. Drop us a message on social media. Leave a comment. Drop me an email, chris at downtimepodcast.com. We want to hear what you think. All right, there's just one more thing left for you to do, and that's to head over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP and leave us your name and email address to make sure that you're amongst the first people on the planet to find out what we're up to. All the links are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. If you want to represent the show, you can get your hands on our range of merch by heading over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop with all proceeds going to help improve the podcast. If you're still listening and you've got a little bit of time, there's a few ways you can help me out. You can tell your mates about the podcast because the more people who listen, the easier it is for me to keep this thing going. You can share the episodes on your social media, which is a great way to spread the word and get a bit of buzz going around the episodes. And if you've got some time and you fancy it, then a review on Apple Podcasts goes a long way too. All right, we've got another awesome episode coming up soon. But until then, get out and ride.